Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Excellent, man. I think this guy is just super fascinating. And just the more you dig in, the more you read, the more you understand what he is bringing to light. Uh, I, I think he is a, a keystone in our discovery of this UAPs, formerly known as UFOs. Our next guest is a former Navy pilot and instructor who was deployed during Operation Enduring Freedom and Operation Inherent Resolve over Iraq and Syria. He left the Navy in 2019 and is currently the host of the Merged Podcast, an open-minded exploration of unidentified anomalous phenomena through the lens of pilots and scientists, having had first-hand experience with UAPs himself. Please welcome, Brian Graves. Ryan, how are you? Hey, good morning. How are you? Good, good, man. I I, uh, I got all hopped up with Jake uh, a week or so ago. Just just going back through stuff and uh, you know your website and everything you've been doing since 2014 and that and that signing. Uh, you know, because I, I remember hearing your name and I remember some of the clips, but really the in depth stuff that the media missed. That the the rest of that entire situation is fascinating to me. Like the. There's no, how do we how does the government deny the, the existence of stuff from other worlds? There's nobody that owned that could have had those those objects, right? Well, you know, right now it doesn't look that way. We're not sure where they came from or what they are. Um, but let me let me tell you a little bit how I ran into these objects. So I was just coming back from a deployment on the uh, USS Enterprise, and we had just come back from operating in Afghanistan, flying the F-18 Super Hornet. Uh, conducting operations there. We come back home, uh, and then we kind of spool down for a little bit. Uh, we do some maintenance on the jets, and we upgrade our radars to a more capable radar, the APG-79. And when we did that, we started noticing, and it took it took a few months to kind of get that change all the way through the aircraft. So we might go on one flight with the old radar, and later the next day or the same day, we might fly with the with the improved radar. And when we did that, we started noticing objects in our working areas uh, that we weren't seeing with the older one. And we thought these were just radar blips of some type until we got close enough to see them with our FLIR system, our camera system. And it was showing us that something was there. We were seeing infrared energy come from those spots. Um, Eventually, we try to get close enough to say, okay, these are physical now. We could hit these, but what are they? So let's take a look. Uh, I tried to look, other people tried to look, and although all our senses would tell us where to look, we would fly up to where the object should be, merge with it, and um, we couldn't see anything with our eyeballs. Um, although we turn around and the objects would be on our radar and be on our FLIR. Um, 
Eventually, two uh, aircraft from my squadron almost hit one of the objects. It went right between them as they were entering the exact altitude and location to enter the working areas off of Virginia Beach. Um, and they almost hit one of these objects. It went within 50 feet of their aircraft, uh, and they described it as a, a dark gray or a black cube inside of a clear sphere. Um, and then at that point, we still weren't jumping to the quote-unquote UFO or alien hypothesis, but uh, we really didn't have an explanation for what these were because they weren't just floating around the wind. They would be stationary in very high winds, uh, 120 knots being able to stay stationary at 20,000 right. feet. Um, then proceeding 350 knots to a different point of the area. So that was kind of the experience that got me involved in this and some of what we were seeing. And and you saw these every day for a long time. Yeah, we would, you know, we'd go out there. And when it first started, you know, we kind of talking about it a little bit. But, of course, over time, as it become became more and more of an aviation safety issue, we didn't have a choice but to talk about it. Um, it was happening so much that we would start to brief it before our flights to let people know that, you know, we had to keep our eyes out for these, our radars out for these. And uh, our plan would be to essentially just move to a new area if they were operating in our working space that we had scheduled. Um, and if there was no extra room, we would have to cancel our flights. Um, eventually, with that near midair, we had to file a hazard report or HAZREP. And that was a an actual incident report to say, hey, we had a near miss of an unknown object and, you know, we need to promulgate this information through the proper safety channels. Uh, but nothing was uh, ever really done about that. There was no, no follow-up, uh, which is not surprising. That's not what that mechanism is for. But we continued to have these issues uh, constantly. And even years later, um, all the way up to, you know, last time I checked, I think it was 2021, 2022, um, one of my former students who I had taught after this experience years later, we're talking eight years later, calls me up and say, hey, I saw one of these things the other day. Dark, you know, black cube inside of a clear sphere. Wow. Um, and wow. this was someone I had taught to fly for his first time before he even flew in the F-18. And now here he is years later flying in the fleet, calling me up saying, hey, sir, I'm seeing him out here too, you know, uh, almost a generational issue. Yeah, and you, at that point, your head's got to go, you're just like, this is this is real. There's no doubt that it's real. There's no doubt it's – they. You believe that our, our government, if we had this technology, would they would would they keep it from you? Would they keep letting you see it and it, but keep it from you? It, you know, when we were first experiencing these, that was one of our you know high probability theories. You could say it was like, all right, this must be some type of classified drone program or or something like that. But that aside, let's look at where we are today and ask if that still makes sense right. that it's a government contractor or something of that nature. So. You know, I spent a lot of time explaining why that doesn't make sense right. from an operational and test perspective. But I think where we are today, we can we can step aside that theory and say it's it can't be U.S. technology at this point with yeah. all we've seen. And if another country had that technology at this point, well, we still have Putin, you know, telling us he's going to get us with nukes, right? Like if he had a, if he had this kind of technology, he'd just be like, "Look, here's your new flag. Your time to learn a new language. You have to give up now, because this would be devastating." This would be key technology, and you wouldn't just see this in one super secret weapon or something of that nature. Right. You would see this integrated into their industrial base uh, because this would represent uh, energy storage or production in manners that you know we haven't industrialized in this country. No, uh, yeah. it's just not yeah what we're familiar with. So we would expect to see remnants of that uh, elsewhere, uh, based off of 
But here's here's an interesting thing too. If it's if it's ours, you know, the early thesis was if this was something of ours, it's an administrative problem essentially, right? We're just showing our our lack of ability to manage our own assets and putting things in the wrong piece of sky. Right. But when we consider that's not the case, we have to look at this from really two other perspectives. That this is either some type of adversarial uh, intelligence gathering platform, or this is just something entirely new and doesn't fit either one of those categories. Yeah. And that's what we've been generally calling the other bucket right now. And that's why and so, I don't get too wound up about the Chinese weather balloons. I'm like, look, there's only so much that can be gathered by that silliness. But, yeah, we're covering them. We, we go chicken little freak out, super ultra paranoia. When there's really some stuff going on up there that if people would pay a little attention to is really interesting and really much more concerning and in my mind. Yeah, certainly. So, you know, with the balloon, it was very clear. We had a quote-unquote Chinese spy balloon uh, that photos were taken of and it was communicated and public statements were made by our defense officials to that case. The other three objects that were shot down, however, there was a very clear bifurcation that those were not Chinese spy balloons. Those were something else, but we're not sure what. But we're definitely sure it's not China, right? Right. And that's very similar language to what we've been talking about with the UAPs on the East Coast. We don't know what they are. We just know that they're not supposed to be where they are. Um, and more research needs to be done on them. In this particular case, they were shot down because apparently they posed a threat to aviation safety, uh, which is, again, something I've been uh, harping on for a while. But I want to be careful here because I don't want to necessarily, necessarily conflate those three objects that were shot down to say, well, they're somewhat similar. They must be the same things that we are seeing off the East Coast because the characteristics are different. The objects, the three objects that were shot down appeared to drift in the wind. Uh, they did not remain stationary for long periods of time in right. one location right, against right. high winds. They didn't maneuver fast. Um, but regardless of what they are, I think it goes to show the point, which is we're not as confident about what's above our heads as we thought we were. And so we need to put energy and attention into this so we can't just laugh off UAPs or UFOs um, as a joke, when very clearly there are things that are anomalous in our skies. And as we better understand those, as we put scientific uh, energy into those, we might find some of those, that anomalous bucket might get smaller and some adversarial platforms might fall out of that, right? right and that's right. what we call technological surprise. And no country, no military wants to be technologically surprised. That's what our entire intelligence apparatus for, uh, in part at least. Yeah. Uh, and basically uh, a large strategy of the United States is to avoid that and to provide that to our enemies. And so if it's not ours, we have to be careful. We can categorize this as, as something that we need to investigate because it's a matter of national security until we understand better. So tell me this, Ryan, because let me go to the other end of the spectrum of where it gets to the, to the kind of crazy part. Uh, like, so then I start going on this rabbit hole. I'm reading about your stuff that is so very clear to me and very straightforward. And you're very careful to not, uh, project, and, and you're very careful to go, this is what we know, this is what I think it could be, this is what we should be worried about, and this is how we should handle it. Then you go to the other end of that spectrum, like the, I just ran into that, is it Dulce or Dulce uh, underground base somewhere in New Mexico where they, you know, it looks, the stuff about Area 51 look absurd. Like like this now, this goes down the real rabbit hole of having a super ultra ground, uh, underground base over there. And I'm sure you've, you've heard the, the rumors of it all. Well, I don't. I've heard some rumors, but uh, I can't claim to uh, know exactly what you're referring to um, specifically. Um, Area 51 is, you know, there's a lot of uh, culture and lore. I'm not. I'll say. I'll say this up front. I'm not an expert in UFO history 
and and all the context that comes with that. This was a conversation I got pretty late in the game, so I'm catching up in a sense. Um, so I might not be as smart in that as you assume I am. Well, well, this is just it's just if you look up Dulce, it's it's supposedly and it just shows up everywhere. It's um, you know New Mexico, not far from fifty one, and it's just got that same vibe of down in a mesa. It's supposedly six stories deep, you know, Air Force bases. And, uh, you know, of course, that area's got all kinds of great military bases, you know, all the way through, you know, White Sands and across because it's great for flying, right? Absolutely. Yeah. No, yep, I mean, look, I, I, I've been out there on a side note, ripping across on a motorcycle down 50, uh, the loneliest highway, and uh, and had guys come over in jets over a whole Bob and I, I mean, on the on the deck, like it completely exciting. Come out from behind you, and I mean, you don't even <laughs> you don't hear them till they're already past you. And I mean, they're low. I mean, super exciting stuff. And uh, that's so, sound fun. Yeah, and so I understand why. But uh, how do you separate? I guess for the point I'm getting, how do you separate like what you're talking about stuff we can quantify and qualify? from conjecture and and how do we separate it from folklore yeah well i think the way we do that is we we approach this via two angle uh in one case we cannot you know i cannot and we cannot on the in the public eye necessarily hold the responsibility for clearing out all of that misconception about military secrecy uh the military has to do that uh, we can provide tools and encourage them in the right direction and some of those tools and encouragement that i'm trying to provide uh, are with two efforts. One of those is the American Institute of Aeronautics and Astronautics, uh, UAP Integration Committee, uh, which is a team of engineers and scientists from across uh, the aerospace industry uh, that are working to provide detection, characterization, and evaluation methodologies around UAP so that we can put out uh, better information uh, to the industry so technologies can be built and modified to learn more about these objects. So, um, and so we're going to use that learning to then provide better uh, updates to the FAA manuals and provide pilots with better reporting procedures so that data can be gathered on the front lines uh, that's been ignored up to this point. Now, I know it's not uh, uh, in, based in fact or it's just an opinion, but do you believe or or your personal thoughts on being visited from something otherworldly, something that's not from our existence, from our planet? We have We have something in that bucket that we don't know what it is, right? And whether that I, I'm hesitant, I'm I'm eager and excited to think that it could be from another uh, world, right? I think like anyone else, but I'm I'm hesitant to make that jump only because I think that might prevent us from truly understanding what it is. Right. Uh, if we start putting assumptions on it that it came from X or Y, we just might look in the wrong spot. Correct. And so right now it's about identifying and being very clear about what it isn't, and then once we've we purified that nugget uh, of what it isn't then we're going to be able to start drawing some conclusions about what it is and where it's from. And uh, if it were to be from somewhere else, my, my next thought is, man, we haven't done well. Whenever we find something new in our, uh, you know, our existence and our known history, we decide to take it. Uh, I mean, that's just the way it's been since the beginning of time for our planet. You certainly hope that if that were to be the case, that there is somebody visiting that they've gotten past that part of let's just take it and keep it for ourselves. I hope so. I would assume that since that's such a strong impulse for us, us here on our immature societies on yeah. Earth, that perhaps yeah. it would be something grown out of, of a more bad species. You would hope. All right. Hey, man, I, I really uh, I love having you on the show, Ryan. 
And um, anytime you've got something new to discuss, a new a new situation, uh, new factual stuff, I would love to have you on. I, I just think it's it's amazing. And in a world where we're so easily wrapped up in some Facebook goofery that uh, I think it's interesting for people to hear something that comes from a legitimate source, from somebody who can literally, honestly, and directly speak to it from a place of, of truly being educated and understanding it and having been there himself. So uh, I, I think you're doing something really great and brave. And, you know, it's not easy to, to always lean out and become the first guy to, to, to get into this. Because I was telling the guys back in the day, used to get you tossed out of the out of the academy, out of the program, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate all those kind words you said. But as I say, you know, I'm climbing the ladder on the people that came before me. Uh, and those people paid, you know, much more repercussions for their curiosity than I am. Uh, so most of the credit goes to those that were doing it before it was popular and okay to talk about publicly. I appreciate you, Ryan, and you're welcome here anytime. Thanks so much. Have a good day. Uh, yeah. No, I, what do you think? Oh, I think there's absolutely so much more out there. Yeah. No, it's 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 now where they come from, what's happening, who knows? Uh, I, I feel like if somebody, if we had, like he said, if. if if you had that technology, it would have shown up somewhere by now to make you, you know, follow the money, right? Mm-hmm. Like you do, it would have become an industry. You you use, if if there was a, uh, like, you know, the whole Roswell thing is that they, how did we get cell phones? How did we, how did we make that super technological computer advance, the digital advance, everything, the internet, everything that happened so fast in yeah. that, in those decades, the idea was that we must have found something on there and then we used it. Right. It, it works for the storyline. Right. Uh, but to that point, that is the thing. Like we would always use it to become a more powerful nation, not just in weaponizing, but in in industry. Like mm-hmm. how do we? How do we? Because it really isn't the weapons that keep you on top. It's the money. Yeah, it's always the money. All right. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 